Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them, or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord shall not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, for he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that it, so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your nation. This is the word of the Lord. We stand in honor of the gospel.
Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. We're in the Old Testament. We saw how uh, the, the law is revealed, and, and here we see it really in action as just Jesus comes into God's house and sees some things that are wrong and really trying to uh, show that zeal for God's house. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers, overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Then the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? For the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said to them. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We continue with our hymn, Hymn 580, The Gospel Shows the Father's Grace. grace, mercy, and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our, God, from our Old Testament reading uh, today. Let us pray. Almighty God, you gave us your law. Your desire is for our lives. Bless us as we look to your word and see your promises and your blessings. And may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. During uh, the Vietnam War, there was a Boeing 707 that landed on an airstrip, and a newcomer to the U.S. military presence in that country asked if there were any minefields in the area. An officer on board replied, he sort of pointed out the window and said, right there, there's a minefield over over to the left there. And the newcomer described it this way. He said, it really wasn't what I expected. 
what I saw looked like a beautiful soccer field. All around the compound, there were the flattest, most lush fields I had ever seen. They were green and as flat as the top of a billiard table. The lush grass just begged to be massaged by bare toes to be played on and marked off for a game of football. Only problem was that they were deadly fields. These inviting fields were killing fields. I remember one afternoon, he writes, not long after, seeing a group of kids kicking a ball right in the middle of one of those minefields. The soldiers, who were supposed to be watching the field, their faces drained of all color, and they started yelling, screaming, waving their arms at those kids who didn't understand a word of English. It'd be funny, he said, if it had not been so dangerous. And he said one soldier quickly found a map of the field that gave all the locations of the mines, and the squad cautiously made their way to the children, and and when they grabbed them, they immediately started kicking and screaming in terror. They thought they were going to hurt them. And slowly, the, the terrified children in their arms, they carefully began to retrace their steps back out to the end of the minefield. But about the same time, the children's parents arrived. They saw the fear in the faces of their kids as they thrashed around in the arms of soldiers. And he, he writes, I, I only wonder at the terror the mothers of these children felt I'm sure they believe their children are going to be killed, and they try to run toward the children, but they were held back at the edge of the minefield by another squad of soldiers, and the mo mother screamed all the more. They didn't realize the soldiers who were preventing them from running out to their children were actually saving them from the dangers that lay out there in that beautiful patch of green grass. This is how he closes it. He says, that night I lay on my cot, and I imagine what would have happened if the soldiers listened to the cries of those kids, not really wanting to upset them any further, put them down and said, oh, I'm sorry, uh, we don't want to spoil your fun, go ahead and finish your game. <laughs> Try to imagine the scene, he said, if those men on the perimeter of the minefield stopped those mothers to, from running out to their children. You know, and as I read that story, I couldn't help but think that if, if hardened soldiers could uh, would rescue kids they really didn't know from a minefield and also prevent mothers from stepping out into the dangers that lay hidden there, how much more would a God who loves us as his own dear children do the same for us? I mean, God's not interested in, in, in spoiling people's fun. Instead, out of concern and safety, he wants us to enjoy long life on this earth, giving us commandments to stop us from stepping out into a minefield that would ultimately lead to injury and harm. In the same way, parents warn their children, right? You do that, parents. You warn them, hey, don't touch the pan on the stove. It's hot. You're going to burn yourself. Uh, be aware of what you're reading and what you're listening to. Does it uphold what God says? Beware of people. They're, they're going to try to convince you to do all kinds of things. They're going to convince you to try to get drunk or take drugs or have sex. Be choosy about the people you hang out with, right? Now, now parents, are they making these rules because they want to limit freedom and prevent their kids from having fun? Well, no, not really. Parents do this because they love them and want them to be happy and healthy and above all safe. And so when you, when you heard that Old Testament reading today from the book of Exodus, when you once again heard the commandments being read, did you sort of feel the love of God coming uh, through those words? I mean, as you listened to those do's and don'ts, did you feel all warm and fuzzy because of God's love for you? Probably not. 
right? One reason is that we don't, when we hear the commandments, we tend to get pretty negative about them. It feels somehow that we are being restricted. Think of ourselves as independent people uh, capable of looking out for ourselves. We don't want to have others tell us what to do. And as Americans, that's in our DNA, right? Whatever it is, we generally hate being told what to do. And on top of that, we live in a society where there's really fewer and fewer absolutes because what happens? Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth, right? Who can say what is right or wrong for me? Now, I'm going to determine what's right and wrong for me. So every day we jump out of bed and act as if it's up to us to make, it, make up the rules as we go along. And uh, so often we believe that it's up to us to discover what is right and what is wrong. Because that's how the world works, doesn't it? I mean, if a woman is pregnant and is convenient, well, deal with it by terminating the life of that unborn child. If money is needed to support a drug habit, eh, no problem. You can invade a home and take whatever you need. If someone believes that they're being unfairly treated and not given a fair shake, don't care. Nothing to get abusive or use bad language or even resort to violence. Someone cuts you off on the road, hey, it is your right to retaliate, isn't it? If life becomes too difficult to live, well, it's your right. End it all through suicide or euthanasia. Friedrich Nietzsche, who lived in the late 1800s, taught that rules about what is right and what is wrong are only just cultural inventions. And according to him and his followers, subverting authority is a good thing, right? It's an act of liberation, might makes right for it, right? In May 1924, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb murdered a 14-year-old boy. Their defense lawyer made a, a dramatic appeal and argued that he had this... Uh, the, the uh, Leopold absorbed the, these ideas of Nietzsche in college. And this is what's his defense. He said, Your Honor, is, it any blame, is any blame attached because somebody took Nietzsche's philosophy seriously and fashioned his life upon it? It's hardly fair to hang a 19-year-old boy for the philosophy taught him in university. <laughs> no responsibility. See what's happening here. Rather than listening to God's concept of life and the sanctity of life as expressed in the commandment there, do not murder. This guy swapped it for mistaken human ideas and an innocent life was lost. We live in a society that desperately needs to be reminded of what God considers to be right and wrong. The world needs to rediscover God's instruction manual for a safe and happy life in this world. But how easy it for us to fall into the trap of adopting the world's and Satan's standards. I mean, isn't that what happened at the very beginning? Right at the Garden of Eden. God made that rule, right, in the garden. You can eat from any other tree in the garden, but, you know, you must not eat of the fruit of that one tree in the middle. Well, that's like a sign that says wet paint, right? <laughs> the temptation is just so great, you just got to touch it to see if it's really wet. Because of our sinful nature, even our best intentions are sidetracked. I mean, if we take, all that take the time to reflect on all those commandments, I think we'd really realize quickly that we are hopeless at keeping them perfectly as God demands. We can't do it. We don't have the strength. We, we don't have the willpower. 
What better time of the year than this season, the season of Lent, to, to dust off God's word, to dust off that small catechism, right? And think, it about, think about it, pray about it, and reflect on the commandments as we have been doing in all these midweek services. It's time to look at them and, and, and to, to reflect upon Luther's explanation because we quickly realize that we've adopted the ways of the world rather than the ways of God. We're reminded of how deep the cancer of, uh, of sin runs and how deep our need for God truly is. That reminder is here uh, that we just uh, sang in the service as we prepared for the gospel reading, right? Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It's not just our actions that are judged, but our attitudes. Not just our hands, but also our heart. Not just our words and our works, but our, our thoughts, our desires, our motivations. And as we consider the commandments today, most likely we're going to see that those attitudes and values reflect that we really do not love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Nor do we love others as we love ourselves. Now, I asked earlier if you sort of felt the love of God as you heard those commandments being read. And I said, most likely you didn't because we don't like rules, right? We feel as if they take the fun out of life and maybe it's because we feel a little guilty too. Because it's pretty clear that we have not been keeping the commandments. But at the same time, we feel justified because we've managed to keep some of them just a little bit, right? I mean, after all, I haven't killed anybody today, right? Uh, but scripture helps us see the bigger picture. The bigger picture about these commandments. Sort of like what, when Luther, if you remember Luther's explanations, sort of gives both sides of it. Is to say, all right, this is, we, we should be doing this, but it's sort of the implication is we ought to be doing these things too. You know, uh, and... And so where the commandments would outlaw adultery. Well, Jesus outlaws the very thought of adultery and lust. Where the commandments outlaw murder, Jesus outlaws hateful words, hateful intent, hateful thoughts. Where the commandments outlaw stealing, Jesus outlaws even just neglecting to help your neighbor with their belongings. When we realize that there's... <laughs> There, there's no way for us to purely follow God's laws. That's the time we need to fall in sorrow and repentance upon our knees. Because there needs to be that time of confession. Admitting our failure in the light of God's commandments and looking to the cross of Jesus for rescue from God's judgment. You see, God did for you and me what we cannot do for ourselves. God took his obedient son, as John said, that perfect lamb. He was sacrificed and nailed to the cross for you and for me. God made Jesus our sin. He was made uh, uh, the, the transgressor of those commandments, wasn't he? He was made the idolater and the blasphemer. He was made the one who despises God's word, the disobedient child. He was made the murderer and the hateful one. He was made the adulterer and the one filled with lust. He was made the thief and the liar and the, and the one who covets uh, what is somebody else's. God gives us a gift in the midst of our failures and sin. As Jesus hung dying on the cross, he carried every sin. From the, from the smallest to the greatest, 
uh, failure to live in God's ways. He took, take on, uh, took on himself the, the punishment that we deserve. He paid the price that we could not pay. He, he died the death that we deserved. Dying to make us perfect. Dying to make us God's children. His saints. Rescuing us from certain death. In the minefield of sin. And so as we come face to face with a world that would sort of play fast and loose with God's commandments, we need strength. And so in the service today, we have opportunity to receive strength for the journey, don't we? Gathering at his table, being strengthened for the journey as we live as his children in this world. As we wrestle with, the, this, with sin and the pull of this world and our own sinful nature, God is there. The way through the minefield of sin is through Jesus. His presence, his word, his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy. You know, it's not too late. As we go through Lent, as you prepare for Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter, why not sort of dust off, dig out your small catechism, and take a look at the commandments again? And as you do, ask yourself, where have I failed to do what God wants me to do? Ask him for forgiveness through Jesus. Then praise God for that love and the gifts of his life and salvation that he gives. We have been rescued from the minefield of sin and death and hell. And as we have been saying throughout all of our midweek services and continue, by his wounds, we have been healed. Amen. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. My friends in Christ, our offerings to the Lord's work uh, continue, either online texting to give as you leave worship today. If by some chance you are watching our worship service, you can mail in those, those contributions as well. This idea of the being rescued from the minefield of sin, you see, that's good news. <laughs> That's good news, the good news that we share each and every day here at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, the, the good news that Jesus has rescued us from sin. And those offerings that you give to us are offerings to the Lord. Help us as a church and school to share that good news. We share it with the people of our, of our church, our students, our, and their parents, and also our community. And so we're thankful that you can give so generously and sacrificially and indeed we are thankful for your partnership in the gospel. Amen.
Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.